Guys, before we get into today's episode, I have a really important announcement I want to make sure you do not miss. March is going to be a really exciting month in the Primal Potential universe, and I wanted you to be the first to know that I am hosting a completely free training on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You do need to register, and the easiest way for you to do that is to just find me on Instagram and message me with the word tips, T-I-P-S, tips, and I'll send you the link to register. Otherwise, I'm going to make a point to put it in the show descriptions, but message me tips. It'll go to you automatically. Get in touch with me in any way you can if you want that link to register, and for some reason you can or can't figure out how to message me with the word tips, but that's going to be the easiest way because here's the thing. There's a lot of things that we want to be able to do intuitively, automatically, without so much hard work and effort. But to get to the point where you're doing it intuitively and as a matter of habit, you've got to do it intentionally. And that comes with a lot of challenges, whether those challenges are our own excuses, our fears of failure, All of the past times we've tried and failed that make us doubt that we can do it, or maybe it's social situations that pull us away from our goals. I want to walk you through a process of creating your own personal protocol that takes into account all of the unique factors about you, your preferences, your lifestyle, your most common excuses, your fears and your doubts. And I want to take you through that process live in a format where I can answer your questions in real time. And we're going to be doing that on this free training that again is Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Find me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Message me the word tips, T-I-P-S, and I'll automatically send you that link so it can happen really fast. You don't have to wait on my reply. That's the best and easiest way. I'll also, moving forward, make a point to put the link in the show description, but I really want you to be there. It is live. You do have to register. It is Thursday, March 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Mark your calendar. Make sure to register. I also have some pretty exciting announcements Maybe the most exciting things that have happened in Primal Potential in the last almost 10 years or coming up on 10 years, I really want you to be there. Message me the word tips. I'll automatically kick you that registration link. If for some reason you can't do that, send a smoke signal, flag me down, find a way to get in touch with me. I want you to be there. Mark your calendar now, and I will plan to see you for that live training Thursday, March 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported thousands of women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. So if you're frustrated, If you're doubting yourself, if you're not enjoying the journey, there's a better way. 
Together, we'll break through your past patterns, we'll eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and most importantly, enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thanks so much for joining me today. I I think you're going to be glad that you did. We're going to do a book club episode. We haven't done that in a while. And I was actually planning on doing a book club episode on a different book called Scarcity Brain that I still intend to talk about. But I was really drawn to share about a book called Hard to Kill, probably in large part because... My own experience over the last month and a half with some atypical vertigo has really just strengthened my resolve to not only for me be as healthy as possible, but also to share that message here. And I feel like Dr. Jamie Seaman does the same thing. She is an OBGYN, but she is also a real advocate for being as healthy as possible. And the title, Hard to Kill, really just refers to the fact that the healthier you are, the better your nutrition is, the stronger you are, the more muscle that you carry, the more protected you are from all causes of death, right? Because even if we get some kind of infection, the healthier we are, the more resources our body has, the more resilient our body is. And and that rolls over to uh, cognitive degenerative diseases or cellular diseases. The healthier we are, the more likely we are to survive those kinds of things. And She functions day to day as an OBGYN. She sees patients. She delivers babies. But her podcast that's called Dr. Fit and Fabulous and her book, uh, Hard to Kill, really focus on helping all people. And I don't know about you, but my experience in the traditional medical community with my primary care doc, with my OBGYN, I don't and I'm sure there are doctors that defy my experience. I know that there are. I know some of them personally, but my doctors very much are pressured by time and pressured by the number of patients that they see. And so they don't have much time to really help me advocate for my health. They just respond to whatever I'm in for. And I really appreciate this about what I've observed from Dr. Jamie Seaman that She takes this so seriously, the nutrition component seriously, the physical fitness component seriously, and she sees the impact that that has on fertility, on uh, pregnancy outcomes, and of course, on overall health and longevity and resilience to disease. So I had listened to her podcast on and off. There's a lot of episodes that are on topics that don't really appeal to me personally and my interests, but I watched her YouTube channel every once in a while when there was something that was really uh, aligned with my interests and have tuned into probably several dozen of her podcast episodes. And when her book came out, it's been within the last year, I want to say within the last six months, I definitely wanted to read it. And I did. And I want to share her approach with you. I think it's a great read for anybody who wants to understand what to focus on 
with regards to getting healthier. There's a lot of information that I found to be like a review or basic, but that doesn't mean it's not valuable. And especially because a lot of people don't know that specific information. I think that it's valuable to the masses, but even with some of it being basic around nutrition, it was a book I'm glad I read. Um, And I would say anybody who wants to get healthier wouldn't be mad. It's a short read. It's written very much for the layperson. And uh, she also has a 30-day challenge at the end. I'm not going to talk about the 30-day challenge because I want to support her book. But I do want to share some of what she presents in there because it's a really great way to revisit the sort of the basics, the most important things. I talk to a lot of people who feel overwhelmed by the amount of information out there around health or the contradictions that they perceive to be out there with regards to health. You should eat this way. No, you should eat this way. You should do this type of exercise. No, you should do that type of exercise. You should fast. No, you shouldn't fast. Uh, And she really covers all of that very well. So if you are somebody who's frustrated by contradictions, I think you would enjoy this book. And I'll, of course, link to it in the show description. So one of the ways she starts off the book is is talking about how being hard to kill, and we could call that, you know, getting as healthy and as resilient as possible, has to be a long, a lifelong mentality. And she says the fastest way to get there is slowly. The fastest way to get there is slowly. And I love that because I know for me, and I see this in so many of my clients, I was always in a rush and I didn't care so much if it was sustainable because all I really cared about was getting results fast. And when I think about this now, I think about how annoyed I tend to be if I'm driving on the road. And just the other day, I was I was driving on a two-lane road and somebody passed coming at me, uh, past another car coming at me on a double yellow line. And it just was like, you are in such a rush, even though rushing like that decreases the odds that you get there at all, right? Because you're just being reckless. And that sounds so obvious when we talk about cars, but I think that the same exact thing is true when we look at rushing an approach to lose weight or rushing an approach to address some health thing. The fastest way to get there is slowly. And so often when we try to go fast, we reduce the chances that we get there at all. All the crash diets I ever did was an attempt to lose weight as fast as possible. But what I didn't realize at the time that I can now see so clearly, and I hope you can too, I was reducing the chances that I would get there at all. Her, she talks a lot, and I found this to be very moving. She talks a lot about what gave her this passion and this drive in her own life, but also for the way that she works over and above her career to put this information out there. And she said that after having a couple of kids, she on the outside looked healthy, but as a medical resident with two young kids, an infant and a toddler, uh, and she had been a college athlete and then she wasn't, you know, she wasn't as active anymore after while she was in med school and doing her residency and all those different things. And so her health declined, even though she wasn't 
obese. She wasn't healthy. And she ended up with postpartum uh, thyroiditis or no, it was hypothyroid and uh, prediabetes. And she was really ashamed of herself for living with what she calls preventable medical conditions. Not only that, she shares a personal story about a friend of hers who uh, got a rare fungal infection and passed away while pregnant, lost the baby. And that really just reinforced in her this desire and this mission to be as healthy as possible. Uh, So that's kind of a moving story if you're looking for something to kind of light a fire in you if you don't already have that. All right, she goes through five pillars of being hard to kill. The first one, not surprisingly, when we talk a lot about here is nutrition. And she asserts that food, everything you put in your mouth, is either feeding disease or it's fighting disease. One or the other. It's either feeding disease or it's fighting disease. And she says food is medicine. If you eat better, you can avoid many chronic diseases. She goes through the the politics of how the fat fearing and the low fat movement came into this country, which we've covered here on the show. She talks about how absurdly toxic seed oils are. We did a whole detailed episode on that. If you have not listened to the seed oils uh, episode, you absolutely need to. Her bottom line is eat whole foods that don't have ingredient lists, right, where the food that you are eating is the ingredient. And then she goes through a lot of specifics around like how much she recommends about one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So if you are 160 pounds, that would be 160 grams of protein. Um, And then she also is a big advocate for limiting carbohydrates. She does not, you know, insist that everybody be on a ketogenic diet, but she definitely sees a lot of benefits to a ketogenic approach to food. And she goes through different options for and a carbohydrate presence in your diet, but she says at max, a ratio of one to one of fat and protein. So if you're eating 160 grams of protein, I'm sorry, carbs, uh, protein to carbs. If you are eating 160 grams of protein, don't eat more than 160 grams of carbs. Now you might be doing the math on the calories and being like, that's not a lot. Well, we haven't factored in fat. So the rest of the calories would come from fat. She's not a uh, cut back, eat like a bird advocate. So at max, a one-to-one ratio of protein to carbohydrates. And it could be less than that, meaning if you're having 160 grams of protein, maybe you only have 100 grams of carbs. But she talks about how carbs should be earned based on activity or body composition. So if you are very, very active or if you have a lot of muscle, then you've sort of, in her words, earned more carbohydrates. But she goes through the importance of minimizing blood sugar spikes, keeping insulin low, the impact that that has on inflammation and, of course, inflammation being a leading indicator of of all sorts of development of diseases. So if you're somebody who likes nutrition approaches, I think that it would be worth a read to go through hers. Just don't fall into the trap of learning more and then not doing it and just being somebody who collects different nutrition approaches, but doesn't ever choose one and get consistent with it. That is not going to help you or improve your health. 
the second pillar, so the first one is nutrition. The second pillar that she goes through is movement. And she says movement to gain muscle is the most important kind. So if we're looking at stretching, flexibility, if we're looking at agility, if we're looking at high intensity interval training, what she is saying is the most important one to prioritize is movement that helps you build muscle. She says that uh, muscle is a critical organ of longevity. And she talks about, this was interesting to me, how we say that skin is the largest organ. And she says it's actually not. While skin has the greatest surface area, muscle is really our largest organ. And we really want to make sure, especially as we age, that we are not only preserving our muscle, but building it. And she says more people are under muscled than they are over fat. Like you might be looking at yourself and thinking like you have too much fat, but she's saying the bigger problem is that you don't have enough muscle. She said worry more about how much weight you can lift than you worry about how much you weigh. She reviews uh, some interesting information on how strength training reduces the risk of all causes of death. And she goes through how muscle wasting happens. But I, one of my fears in this is that if we start talking about muscle wasting begins at this age and it accelerates in this age, there's a lot of people that are like, it's too late for me. It is never too late for you. I don't care if you're 96. It is not too late for you to do work to get stronger. We know, and we've done episodes on this before here on this show, that it's called sarcopenia. It's an age-related breakdown of muscle, of protein in your body. It starts in your 40s, accelerates as you get older. It's about 1% to 2% lost per year in your 50s, and then uh, up to 50, and then 50 to 60, it's an additional 1.5% per year, and after that, it's about 3% per year. That's assuming you're not intentionally building muscle, and if we think about that for the average individual who in their 50s and their 60s and their 70s isn't actively building muscle, actively working to maintain that muscle, this is what's responsible for a lot of the physical changes we observe in people that we can see visually as they get older. Changes in their posture. Sure, there's age-related changes in bone, but the majority of it is you're just losing muscle and that starts to affect your posture. It affects your mobility. It affects your flexibility, your stability, your stamina, and your hormones, right? As we have less muscle, we have more inflammation. We have less testosterone. We have poor metabolic health. So many different things. So she really emphasizes any and all movement that helps you build muscle. We talk about how important that is here. Strength training, do it, do it, do it. An interesting thing that she goes into, we've talked about how fat is not just uh, inert. It's not just sitting there on your hips and your thighs. It's an active endocrine organ, meaning it is producing and secreting hormones. And she actually explains that your muscle is the same way. It, too, is active endocrine producing. And one of the chemical messengers that is produced when you lift, they're called myokines, and they are anti-inflammatory. So not only is this a matter of aesthetics, it's a matter of longevity. It's a matter of protecting your bones. It's a matter of keeping inflammation in your body at a minimal level. Muscle also helps with fat burning. It helps with glucose metabolism. 
I talked about how uh, on the nutrition pillar, she is a big fan of lower carbohydrate. And one of the things she explains about ketones, which are produced when you're on a very low carbohydrate, moderate protein diet, ketones have been shown to help prevent age-related muscle loss. So when ketones are being produced, they're actually protein sparing. Your body is able to use the ketones and in doing so, they don't need to use the protein and so they kind of spare, it's protein sparing. And she explains that uh, if patients are hospitalized and they're on a therapeutic ketogenic diet, you often don't see the muscle loss that you see in other patients who were maybe on a traditional just hospital food, toast and applesauce standard diet. So when we are in a ketogenic state is actually protein sparing, muscle sparing, which is a interesting conversation she goes through. Ketones are anti-catabolic. And as I said, they... Uh, inhibit the major drivers of inflammation in your body. Does not mean that this is a book that advocates and that the only way to be healthy is a ketogenic diet. I don't think she goes that far, but she does have a lot of conversations about that. And she makes the point that ketosis isn't like an all or nothing thing. So many people think that if you, oh, well, if I want to take advantage of ketones, I have to be in ketosis all the time. And she said, we evolved to be going in and out of ketosis. That's how our ancestors evolved. That's actually what happens in pregnancy and women who follow a healthy whole food diet in pregnancy, they naturally go in and out of ketosis. So it's not that you have to eat sticks of butter and steak and nothing else for the rest of your life. And if you're confused about that, again, the book is hard to kill. Uh, I'll link it in the show description. So the first pillar was nutrition. The second pillar is movement, making sure to prioritize movement that leads to muscle building. The third pillar is sleep. We recently did an episode on sleep, and I was emphasizing the fact that sleep isn't just about energy. Sleep is the time when your body does most of its reparation and regeneration work. And so if you're not getting that sleep or adequate sleep, then your body can't heal and you're increasing your risk of disease. She goes through how much sleep is needed at different phases of life, infant, toddlers, uh, you know, young kids, high school, etc. Adults are about in the seven to nine hour range. She recommends nasal breathing when you sleep. And you might be wondering, like, well, how can I make sure I'm breathing through my nose if I'm asleep? There's something called mouth taping. You might have seen it on social media. Essentially, there are these little strips. They look like scotch tape, but they have a slit in the center and you basically put the little piece of tape over your lips and you're able to breathe through, uh, you're not gonna like suffocate or something like that. There is a little place where air can pass through your mouth. It's not that you can't breathe through your mouth, but it essentially puts you in a place where you're more likely to breathe through your nose. The reason that that is beneficial Nasal breathing, I mean, there's a lot of it, right, about drying out your mucous membranes and stuff when you breathe through your mouth. But one of the big things is nasal breathing increases nitric oxide. Breathing through your mouth does not. So you're getting more oxygen to your body. It's going to help with energy overall. It's also going to help you sleep better. And it's going to help your body really do what it needs to do in terms of healing and regeneration because it's sufficiently oxygenated. She also talks about some sleep things that we've gone into before in terms of light exposure, minimizing blue light, monitoring your circadian rhythms. You're getting sun exposure earlier in the day. A lot of things that for most of you guys are probably going to be uh 
kind of refresher information. She does recommend a consistent bedtime, consistent wake time. That does not mean that it has to be 7 a.m. and 11 p.m., right? There can be some wiggle room, but just not like having your weekends be where you sleep in several hours later or you stay up several hours later. The fourth pillar is resilient mindset. The fifth pillar is environment. We won't go in too much here into the environment stuff. That is pretty straightforward that it's about reducing toxic exposure. She suggests making your own cleaning products. It's also a great way to save money. Avoiding fragrances. That includes perfume. It includes uh, soaps that have fragrance or uh, skin cleansers that have fragrance. Avoiding plastics, uh, avoiding canned food, printed receipts, airline tickets, all of those things where the paper tends to be lined in BPA, uh, which is highly toxic. There are some skincare products that are really clean. I'm a big fan of the brand Fatco, F-A-T-C-O. That is what I use on my skin, and I'm obsessed with it and think I have great skin because of it. Um, I think I... Tell me if I'm wrong here. I think I still have a discount code to share with Fatco, F-A-T-C-O. I think it's primal, and I believe it saves you 10%, but if it's deactivated, just let me know. Uh, The resilient mindset piece, you guys know that this is just, in my opinion, necessary for the nutrition changes, necessary for the movement changes, because everything is a result of how we think about things. She talks about the language that you use setting the tone for every day, and you have to select your thoughts. You can't just go through the day thinking the way you've always thought and expect that you're just going to be able to willpower yourself into behavioral changes. It doesn't work that way. You have to upgrade your thoughts and be willing to slow down and take control so you're not on autopilot. This is the whole reason that I built and made 10X Mindset available because this is why so many people their mindset limitations is why so many people set intentions around movement or nutrition or money or to-dos and don't follow through. You have to do the mindset work. You have to. And then here in the, uh, interestingly, it might be in the environment section, but she talks a lot about cold therapy. Uh, She talks a little bit about saunas as well and how with cold therapy, which you don't need a cold plunge tub, even though they're all the rage right now, you can do this in your own shower. A few minutes a day has been shown to reduce inflammation. We come back again and again and again to inflammation being a huge piece of the puzzle and a big why around nutrition, a big why around muscle, because those things when done right, reduce inflammation in the body. Inflammation is that precursor for just about every disease that we know of. At the end of the book, she outlines a 30-day challenge. I'm not going to go through the 30-day challenge here because I think if you want to go through it, then you should absolutely read the book and get the information and not try to embark on her 30-day challenge based on my sort of expedited Cliff Notes review of her book. Um, My sense in looking at the 30-day challenge, I think it would be exceptional for your health. I think it's also a lot of to-dos, so it kind of depends on where you're at. If the majority of the stuff that she's talking about is new to you, you might want to go slower at building the foundation. If the majority of stuff that she talks about is stuff you're already crushing, then taking on her 30-day challenge might really make a lot of sense for you. But as she said at the beginning of the book, the fastest way to get there is slowly, and you really do have to have a lifelong mentality with all of these approaches. So the book is called Hard to Kill. For me, 
my biggest takeaway with it was to get more consistent with my cold exposure because, as you guys know, inflammation is a huge priority for me. And also, it was just a really great reminder of how important the getting stronger piece is. I've felt really great about my strength since I've been working out with my trainer again very regularly. Um, but I want to I want to continue to lean into that and have this be the decade where. I get strong as heck. I actually think that it's almost more beneficial for people to set a goal to gain 10 pounds of muscle, which is not the same thing as gaining 10 pounds, to gain 10 pounds of muscle than it is for them to set a goal to lose 10 pounds of fat. Because you can lose 10 pounds of fat and actually make yourself less healthy, right? If you're super stressed, if you're not eating quality foods, if your cortisol goes through the roof, any number of different things. If you've lost, you lost 10 pounds of fat, but you also lost eight pounds of muscle, like that's not good. But you put on 10 pounds of muscle and fat stays steady or goes down, uh, I think that you're going to see yourself in a really, really, really great place and your energy is going to be better. And that's just going to have a ripple effect. Doesn't mean you can't chase both objectives to reduce fat and build muscle. But I just really wish people would emphasize getting stronger, especially people who maybe don't see themselves as athletes or don't see themselves as gym people or have never emphasized weight training before. Those are the people, in my opinion, who need it most. So the book is called Hard to Kill. It's by Dr. Jamie Seaman. I'll link it up in the show description and I'll see you guys tomorrow.